0: Bonjour, mon ami! A prisoner of the binary culture of the early 20th century France, this gender non-conforming photographer emerged from their society a hero to queer art and a fighter of fascism. Forgotten among the names of talented surrealists, no more! Meet Claude Cahun, the gender binary's enemy number one. This is History the Shequel. Georgia hi okay I want to ask you a question yeah when you are and this is just me trying to get to know the youth of America yeah when you are sick in bed Uh uh-huh it's school it's school year you're you're sick in bed okay 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 I don't know what your bedroom looks like Garfield sheets of course yeah
1: I have a race car bed you know
0: (laughs) you can't read you can't move Wait, why not? You, you're you're just so you're so sick you can't even hold a book. Okay, okay? you can't do anything intellectual with your hands. Okay, huh. you turn on what TV show to binge watch or movie? Oh my god, what's your feel good? What's your like? Oh, this will make me feel safe.
1: Do you want the honest answer, or like a good answer? Because I want. Different.
0: Well, because see, I'm trying to figure out how much of a garbage person you are. I'm a
1: big garbage okay, person. Okay, tell me what it is. Okay, so. I'm really going to out myself. I might have to, like, delete Because sometimes I watch Encino Man. No, it's worse than that. Okay. Yeah, you're going to want to, like, have me leave. So, like, in the middle of this junior year, I got super sick. I got the flu Um, for, like, a week and a half. It was crazy, you know, because I'm afraid of shots, so I didn't get my flu shot. Uh
0: Uh-huh, I understand. Um. (laughs) When it becomes a liquid dropper, call me. Okay, I
1: will. Um, And I watched Yummy Mummies of Melbourne, and I wanted to die the entire time.
0: Hold on, is this a Real Housewives thing? And that's no, it's the-
1: worse. Okay,
0: it's, Yummy Mummies.
1: It's called Yummy Mummies, and the whole premise is that they're all mummies, and Australian, and blonde, and that's kind of it. And they just run around and have brunch. And the big drama is there. This girl, <laughs> this woman, her name's Valentina. No, no, no. God, what's her? You're name? Thinking
0: of Drag Race. Yeah, <laughs> I think I might be. okay anyway victoria i feel like that's something australian name one
1: of them is named victoria of course yeah of course and they just like talk about how successful they are and how much they love champagne and i watched it for like do they have jobs of course not no it's their husbands but their husbands are like stay-at-home tissue salesmen and they make like three million dollars a year i think it's all like their dad's bankroll it I see, and it's staged to make it look like they're rich, so it looks nice.
0: That's because you know, like one of the most, one of the richest per- people in America, who is oddly like all of a sudden like I don't need a tax for my Cessna tax break. He made his money off of cardboard boxes. Oh, there's it's those
1: people who invent like the tight ty- like the weird go around part of the fidget spinners. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Millionaires. Yeah, I assume. Probably. Well, the reason I wanted to ask about what you watch on TV when you're the sickest, 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 is because I too am. I watch like pretty garbage stuff when I'm sick. I need something comforting. Mm-hmm. So I'm not that well versed in the art world because yeah. my downtime I fill with you know garbage. Yeah, yeah. But do you know anything about the Surrealist movement? A bit. Okay. Do I have to tell you what I know? <laughs> Unless okay. you' are passionate about uh,
1: just being like it's weird I'm I'm it is weird. I just knew that they wanted to like break all the bounds that they ever knew were a thing. Um, it was it, I know a lot about like the literature of that time. Cause oh, in English, I had to do a presentation on it.
0: You did and who did you talk about? Did you talk about a specific author? <gasps> yes.
1: And I cannot remember it now.
0: Well, see. That's why
1: education works.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I had to do this thing, and I can't remember anything. That's basically (laughs) the problem with education. So, Salvador Dali, you might know about. Of course. Who loves clocks. And Garcia Lorca. Oh, yes, exactly. So, men. Men. Right. Who were emerging from this scene, making these nonsensical things carry some gravitas and weight because there's some symbolism there and, Maybe, maybe there's symbolism, maybe not. Maybe it's just pure Freudian freedom getting down, down, down into the subconscious. But one of the things about the subconscious when they decided, these men decided to unleash it, Mm -hmm. is that it also funnily had a lot of violence towards women. Really? Yeah, isn't that interesting? Oh my god. I would never have expected that. I know. It's no, that's
1: really silly. Real <laughs> so crazy. Surprising.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of floating female torsos, headless bodies, yeah. legs, arms, hands of all female in surrealism art. As a matter of fact, I don't know if you have heard about this podcast, Root of Evil, Mm-mm. that connects the Black Dahlia murder to a person who was in the surrealist scene and sought to impress the surrealist to a degree where they have never that they have never seen before. So which is why and I don't recommend this, but The Black Dahlia Murder is a woman had it's basically a surrealist painting of a woman in that she is cut in such surgical way uh, and and placed uh-huh. very strategically her body parts that he created a, a work of art through murder. Okay. Okay. So that that's mm. the little hat on surrealism where I'm like, y'all yeah. took it. Y'all took it. Your it took violence it too To far. another level. Yeah. yeah. Another level. Bad level. A bad level. Point is, is that surrealism has been a very masculine scene. Mm-hmm. Has very been a very misogynist scene. But there were tons of women in this movement who have been absolutely erased. So I want to talk about one of them today. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Claude Cahoon, no L, it's been very impossible Cahoon. for... Cahoon. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Who was, do you want to guess nationality? French. Yes. Okay. Born on October 25th, 1884 in Paris, France. Paris. Which? Yeah. Oh, nobody's
1: born in Paris. That's no, crazy.
0: I know. They're all born where? It's all like stupid Americans. Uh, They're all born, I don't know. Outside of France. Yeah, outside of France. <gasps> um, She was born... Claude was not her given, born, her given name. Um, she was born Lucie Renee Mathilde Schwab, mm-hmm. a female, mm-hmm. but did not identify as a female. She had this to say about her gender. She said, shuffle the cards, masculine, feminine. It depends on the situation. Neuter is the only gender that always suits yes. me. That's so crazy. Isn't that fantastic? So I don't from, know how I feel about that. I mean, I
1: like the fluidity. I don't want to be neutered, though.
0: I think when the – in the way that she's saying neuter, I think she, she just means gender means like neutral. She just like,
1: okay. I thought she meant, like, truly. You know how the French are. They're so extreme. I know. It's all a metaphor. Okay.
0: So from this point forward, I want to use the pronoun they okay. for Claude, although not something that they would have dictated in 1889, mm-hmm. but we should – I would like to respect the gender um nonconformity of of this amazing artist. I I also think cuz scholars and historians also move freely between gender pronouns in, mm-hmm. in the in the way that they write about Claude mm-hmm. and um and, I, and and they were very ahead of their time which is probably why you've never heard of them because yeah, of the boundaries they were pushing. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, – do you feel like people are getting gender pronouns now? Do you feel like yeah. it's like uh, – Who's
1: – like – I feel like it's different for each generation. I baby Well, my grandpa's never going to yeah. do it. No.
0: No. But like your parents' generation or even like generations younger – I mean younger, they're they, – you raised with something and you're like that's what it yeah. is.
1: I feel like it's so different because like – Getting back to Long Beach, my Long Beach friends, like I have a friend who goes by um, them and they, and they call him, her she. I mean, like they won't, which and is do, so Do up. they
0: have to correct people and are people receptive or do they, well, they just let it go?
1: They let it go because they're super like open-hearted and positive. They, they're they very not confrontational, you know, non-confrontational. Um, I am the opposite. So I'm always like, you know their pronouns and you won't use them. Um <laughs> It's, but then all my LA friends are great. I mean, like my LA friends correct me because I'm because sometimes when you're first like learning everyone's pronouns when you first walk into a room it can be like difficult. But
0: like names, you know, it's re- it's really hard when you haven't been taught at an early age that there are three basically things to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I definitely struggle with it myself. But I'm glad that look, all everyone has to do. Just try. Just try. You just have to try. I've
1: never known someone who goes by different pronouns to get mad because someone says it wrong on accident, you know?
0: But it's when someone continuously is
1: like... On purpose. "Hmm." Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, they were born to a Jewish father and an Aryan mother. This is in Paris in the the very beginning days of fascism. And on top of that, their mother was mentally ill Mm -hmm. and did some things that were really fucked up in a way that... I felt I feel almost give gave them more freedom later on to express their gender or not express gender. Mm-hmm. Their mom would say things like, "Your nose would be perfect if," "Oh, your chin would be perfect if." Yeah, and that was their childhood. It was so bad, as a matter of fact, that their father, on their seventh birthday, said he was sorry for bringing them into the world. Oh, can you imagine your dad saying that to you when you're seven? Oh my God! Oops, no. oops. Sorry. Oops. Jeez. This is, but I mean, as as I see it, this is early lessons in how their existence in the world was disappointing to others. Yeah. And so when Gave you them kind of a freedom, it is kind of a freedom. I mean, yeah. there's two ways that can if that can affect you as a, like as debilitating a
1: debilitating depression or freedom
0: or fuck you. I'll do. Yeah. I'll do what I want. <laughs> So, anti-Semitism was on the rise, as I, as I mentioned. And here's the thing. Germany took the whole hating Jewish people thing to a John Carpenter level. Sure. But there are countries in Europe that do not get any blame for the rise of anti-Semitism. And I, France deserves it. France deserves blame. And they not only deserve blame, they need to recognize that because it's happening again all, right now. Yeah. In because France? they didn't learn their fucking lesson. Yeah. Yeah. What yep. were you going to say about the French? Uh, I don't like the French. I like three French people. Okay. <laughs> I make it, it's part of my career where I- <laughs> I get that. I mean, my whole family's
1: French, so I'm like on that level with you of like, they're conceited. I, there's no Arrogant? To, yeah. Never wrong. Uh-uh. Negative. Well, they are wrong a lot. Would they admit it? No. Yeah.
0: Just be cool. Just be cool.
1: <sighs> France needs legalized marijuana. Oh, they would be so much better. I know. God, they would
0: be so fun. Imagine and just imagine. Just imagine. Well, listen to what happened to Claude. Yeah. As a as a kid in school, because they were Jewish, tied up to a tree by jump ropes by other children and oh, stoned God. with gravel. Oh my God! What date is this? This is the late. This is the early nineteen hundreds. Nineteen ten, ish. Have you ever seen anything like that happen at your school no and just adults being like, well the adult it and it be oh someone tied a Jew to the tree oh, oh my well Oh, God that's so nothing happened up. it was so bad that their dad sent them to a school in England this was junior high-ish yeah which was not much better but mm-hmm. at least secluded and in an place where there was some accountability so they went to school in england Mm -hmm. then came back to france before high school and this is when teenage rage really set in so you've got anti-semitism you're back in the country that was absolutely shitty to you and you're questioning your gender Mm -hmm. so claude began to dress like uh less like a woman and more masculine which was not acceptable during this time and on top of that Their dad had done this, like, long con. I don't even know if it's a con. Long game, played this long game where from the time that he recognized that his wife was mentally ill, instilled in Claude a carelessness about relationships and boys. So it's a weird thing to do to your biological daughter in that time when really your existence was your life was built to become a wife. Yeah. So Claude didn't have any of that because, because their dad was afraid that... History would repeat. What was His he? biological daughter would pass on the gene to mental illness. So wanted to oh. just cut out any possibility that they would marry procreate, yeah. and procreate. Well, guess what happened? They married and procreated. No. <laughs> they didn't marry. No. Something really kind of magical... And I'm not saying that he encouraged same-sex behavior from his daughter, his biological daughter, but that's what happened. That's so cool. So imagine you're like, your whole life you're being told, boys don't matter. Mm -hmm. And you're also Jewish, so you're on the low end of the totem pole. You kind of don't give a fuck. You kind of have the freedom to do whatever you want because you're already getting shit on in so many different ways. Yeah. So Claude fell in love as a teenager with Suzanne Alberte Meherbeus. That's not how you say her name. They fell in love as teenagers. And Claude's dad is like, oh shit, my daughter's dressing like a dude. Now she's, he she was a she's in love with her best friend. Yeah. What do I do? This yeah. is a disaster. This is, and and we're Jewish. I feel like he would be cool with that. Isn't that what he's been preaching? Sort of. He, okay. What he did was he went to Suzanne's dad, who was a doctor at the time, for advice. Okay. And this is what this doctor said. He said, "Well, why don't you let Claude move in with us?" So this doctor Wait. allows his daughter's what? girlfriend to move into the home with him. So that his daughter will stop sleeping care with of, him. Yeah, that's the goal in mind. Well, I don't, I don't understand. The, I don't know if understand but if the goal was just protection to have them together, huh? Or if the if it was so progressive that this doctor dad was like, "Let them fuck in the house. If they're if they're gonna fuck, you might as well have them do it in the <laughs> house." I don't understand what it was, but it was. Kind of someone's, I mean, that'd be my dream if I was in love with someone and yeah. then got to move in with them all the time and sleep in the same bed with them. Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> so it gets more crazy. So nice. the doctor, so Claude is living with their girlfriend uh, Okay, in their girlfriend's house. Their girlfriend's dad dies. The doctor dies. Claude's dad marries the doctor's wife. What and you now Claude and Suzanne are step sisters,
1: bigger social circle.
0: Unacceptable! They're sisters now. They're sisters. So, here's what that affords them: they can go out in, in public, public and touch each other's hair, and hold each other's hands, and kiss each other's faces, and everyone goes, "Oh, oh look sisterly at sisterly love." jokes on society oh so they started collaborating (laughs) and creating art together writing queer books exploring their um imaginations and freedom through art at a very young age claude officially changed their name to claude which in french is like chris so you don't know the gender which i I think is what she means by neuter it's like there's you be the judge yeah (laughs) right suzanne became marcel Moore. And they began writing articles about homosexuality being acceptable and putting queer hope into the world. This is, I mean, pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: They were pumping out all these texts, but what they're best known for were self-portraits. From 1912 to the 30s, they were filling the art world with gender-questioning photographs. They were self-portraits of Claude, assuming many different personas like Aviator, Dandy, doll vamp vampire angel japanese puppet whatever they were just exploring their mini masks Mm -hmm. my favorite and oh one thing to to, do you know about this were uh this book art of seeing i think it's called okay so something to nod to that book one of the things that they always did was in these portraits they were always looking at the viewer Mm -hmm. always making direct eye contact Never from a submissive place. Never up above at someone else. Always directly connecting with the person looking at the art. One of my favorite um, pictures, uh, portraits of Calhoun, is um, them dressed as a bodybuilder, mm-hmm. and their shirt reads, "Don't kiss me, I'm in training." And it's brilliant. It's a brilliant series. I saw that's actually how I found out about about um, Claude. Mm-hmm. Their work was both political and personal and often undermined traditional concepts of really static gender roles. Mm-hmm. In their autobiography, Cahun shook the foundations and helped sow the seed for breaking down the binaries of gender. Oh, and, and by the way. That's real cool. If they were around today, it would be just as progressive. Yeah. They're they were way before their time. That's right. They weren't safe in Paris. Um either of them yeah where'd they move to there was yeah because there was a backlash yeah in this freedom of thought do you know anything about something called appeal to order it's appeal de l'ordre. sorry nice. here's the thing i took three years of french oh you did i'll never get it <laughs> okay there's something called the appeal to order which was basically make france great again uh, in the 20s yes. I remember this. It was a backlash to surrealism, to free thought, yeah. to ex- expressing your emotions. Yeah. Basically not being a stuffy, restrictive, you know. Square. Square. Also, because of this um, appeal to order, because it was specifically started as a reaction to literature and art, it also trickled down into other parts of society and that women were encouraged to take more traditional roles in the home and leave the jobs that they got during world war one yeah full MAGA situation full MAGA yeah one of the things that Cajun did Mm -hmm. to put a middle finger up to gender was a lot of their pictures Mm -hmm. were shaved heads nice no eyebrows no eyelashes I like that which we were talking before the podcast how we both have fantasies of shaving our head yeah because hair is a distinct Distinctive characteristic of women. Yes. In how much effort you put into it. How much of it there is. Where. Exactly. So stupid. I know. So imagine being hairless, totally hairless, and how that might be scary for your your gender identity or freeing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so cool to me that they kept their way to address, like, gender standards and gender norms was just to, like, Take everything away, you know, not add anything, just strip it down to the base.
0: And one of the things that happened during Return to Order was this directive that we go back to classical art. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that Kahun did was shaved head, Mm -hmm. no eyelashes, no eyebrows, bust portraiture of them from the breast up, basically, juxtaposed against a classical Greek bust. As a way to be like, I'm still going to do my art Mm -hmm. and I recognize what you want me to do and fuck you. That's awesome. And putting that out there in galleries. They're great. So they moved to Jersey. Have you ever heard of Jersey? I have. The Channel Island? Yeah. Okay. What do you know about it? Um, I just wrote a book about a guy who built a zoo there and that's all that I know <laughs> a real wait oh my god that's my favorite book Is it a re- it's not we built it we bought a zoo <laughs> no
1: it's was. called a zoo in my it's I, oh, I want to say zoo in my suitcase but it's British so it's probably a zoo in my luggage, right? yes yeah um, it's by Gerald Durrell. he's my favorite author. he's the best.
0: Is it it's, it's, like it's fiction fluff yeah oh great but it's like the best type of fluff. What year was it read? Was it
1: read? What what year did you read it? What, <laughs> what year, year was I read it? it in 1910. Um I have a time machine. Yeah, I do. I'm just like eternal. Um I don't know. I think it was written in like 1950s, 1960s. Oh.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Okay, I'm going to read about this perhaps was influenced by what happened in Jersey during mm-hmm. World War 2. I don't know what happened in Jersey. I'm going to tell you what happened and then you tell me what how this relates to the book. Okay. Because because there might be some some threads. Yeah. So they moved to Jersey, which is, if you don't know, a channel island between England and France, which really is closer to France. It is a weird place that has their own democracy, which is mm-hmm. under a monarchy. They're technically a British island, but they also have French influence. Yeah. They have their own legal system currency. They speak their own language called, I think it's called Norman. It's how I know about it is it's a tax haven for monsters. Oh, you can go dump your money there and not have to pay taxes on it because they're a shelter. Um, remember that it was also a like (laughs) it was like a rich person's getaway from France. So like
1: Monaco, basically. Yes. Yeah.
0: It was a it was a closer. It was a Monaco that the British and the French could both access cool yeah so they had gone there during their childhood so they decided that they would go they would go there to live jersey by the way is something called a bailiwick good luck i don't understand it, it there's only two bailiwicks in the whole world and they're one of them okay it it describes their government i don't oh it's a form of government it's a form of that has to do with bailiffs I don't know. Here's the thing. I'm not an expert on how England does stuff. It's not important. They you know do how they weird. like to make everything complicated? Yeah, very complicated. For example, my friend just moved to um, London, and I was looking at the map of where her new oh, place hot. is. Nightmare. She lives next to a place called Chucky Walkie Duda, which is a bakery. Oh, Why does it mad. have to have so many? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's adorable, but like complicated. Yeah. That's what I feel like Jersey is. So they were there. Totally accepted by this by this society there. They did everything right, mm-hmm. everything that gender non-conforming artists did at the time. <laughs> Bought a small house, dressed in men's clothing, and walked their cat around on a leash. That's really cute. It's really sweet. I they love had, that. They had a really sweet life. Then the Nazis occupied. Oh, no. It was one of the only British territories to be not, occupied by the Nazis. And because it was an island, it was very hard. He was either forgotten in the war or I don't understand why it was allowed to be, maybe because it was so close to France and France was occupied. I don't, I don't understand. But ba- basically the Nazis were there. And there's two things that the Nazis don't like. Jewish people mm-hmm. and gay people. Yeah. And they happen to be two of those things. So what's pretty cool is that the whole town protected them. Oh. They just said they were sisters living together <laughs> and nobody came for them. So, because they were two women, they started an art campaign to disrupt the Nazis on the island. Here's okay. what they did. Shortly after the Germans uh, invaded the Channel Islands, Claude and Marcel began secretly publishing anti-Nazi propaganda flyers mm-hmm. that said that the Germans were losing because Nazis propaganda was all about all the... Things that were happening. Even when they were losing, the German soldiers had no idea. They thought they were winning the whole time. They they were being lied to every which way. They
1: only knew that they were losing when they were actually starving in the trenches and running out of food because that's how indoctrinated the whole fucking country was.
0: Exactly. So – Whereas you would think that what Claude and Marcel were doing was was propaganda. They were actually listening to BBC radio and American radio and mm. getting the actual news, then reporting it in these flyers, signing it, the soldier with no name. Mm. And because Marcel was fluent in German, they could directly, and they would place them in, they would do this, so they would make these flyers about like, uh, German forces lose at so-and-so battle. Mm. Print it up, put it In a cigarette box and leave it where they knew German soldiers hung out. Oh, that's so they were they were not only disseminating this, like this it's genius. It's genius, and it's also like so subversive, and probably they had a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. They would associate they would turn the news into poetry, they would have pictures with it. They were doing this all they were doing this so much and were going and, and no one suspected them that when the Nazis occupied their own home they continued to do it under the nose of the Nazis who were in their house. Now, people underestimate underestimate women constantly. There's a lot of female spies from yeah. Civil War, yeah. World War 1, World War 2 because they're just like,
1: "Oh, she's not capable of that." Like something like 60% of Soviet spies were female and also crazy attractive, but that's so smart. I mean, yeah.
0: You I mean, you're using your gender to get yeah, get something out of uh your enemy here's the thing they were busted in 1944 by the nazis yeah um they the nazis were fucking not they and this is goes to what you're saying the nazis were furious because the two women did it Mm -hmm. and they couldn't believe that they fucking fell for it Mm -hmm. in 1944 they went to jail their bank accounts were um sequestered, whatever you call it, house and art confiscated. Actually, it was worse than their art just being confiscated. They destroyed their art, a lot of their Mm -hmm. art. And which is why we should celebrate all artists in their time because you never know when a bunch of assholes are going to come in and burn it to the ground. Claude and Marcel were actually sentenced to death for undermining the Nazis. During their trial, they were confronted with 300 pieces of their undermining campaign, but that was actually only one-seventh of the things that they actually distributed. Good for them. So they didn't even know; they didn't even know half the story. Now they weren't executed because the Nazis were afraid of public outcry because they were so beloved. (laughs) So they were put in prison for a year in two different cells. Oh! In 1945, when the island was liberated, they were finally released. Mm -hmm. So they were released in 1945 when the island was liberated, and there is a photo of Claude after the war. Now, at the point when they had moved to Jersey, they started uh, both of them started wearing. Female clothes again because mm-hmm. they were just concerned about the backlash mm-hmm. um to some degree they were still it was still dipping into the masculine but sure. in this picture claude is in women's clothing and in her mouth like a cigarette is an insignia from a german guards uniform <laughs> it is hard she's biting into her captives identifying label and as hardcore as this image is Their time in prison was very hard on them. And in December 1954, they actually died of complications from health problems that happened during prison. I don't know what that means. I don't know what happened in prison. They probably got like an immune thing. Like, What's the thing that everyone in LA has? Typhus? Typhus. Oh, I'm sure. Name it. Name it they had it. It wasn't until Marcel's death in 1972 when many of Claude's art was auctioned off that anybody started researching their who art they were yeah so french writer francois <laughs> le was prompted to dig deeper into who they were his biographical works are the only ones available on claude Cahen. Mm-hmm. um and since and even though Cahen's uh work has been an intermittent battleground inside the art world with feminist and leftist art historians quabbling over their proper place in the narrative. Mm -hmm. And because no one cared to pay attention in the first place, there will be no settling of this argument because we don't have the information. Um, Why was an artist that was this progressive ahead of their time so neglected. Cahoon was one of the few biologically female artists who actively participated in surrealism during its most vibrant years. They're, they call um, the women who were lost the lost generation. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, this is just surrealism. I'm sure this is problematic of any art movement. And it is our jobs as the keeper of our history to uncover these amazing people and share their legacy like gospel. Nice. Okay, Georgia, now we, like Claude Cahoon, Mm -hmm. distribute propaganda about our subject today to the youth of the world. I'm going to read you a situation. This is your favorite part of the show, I know. Yeah, I love this part. I'm going to read you a situation you might find yourself in, and then you're going to respond in a very heavy-handed way. Okay. To insert Claude Cahoon into everyday conversation. Are you ready? excited, yeah. Okay. Boy, some of these are long.
1: This is actually a transcript from me hanging out with my friends. A lot of people don't know that,
0: but (laughs) it is. is.
1: Directly? Yeah. I spy on you. Yeah. She follows me around with a camera and... It's good, yeah. yeah. And sometimes I just
0: shove my iPhone in your in your mouth, and you're like, "Yeah, I in you, my mouth." Yeah, it's not even near my mouth. Aggressive. Yeah. A lot of my recordings are very muffled. <laughs> okay, people scenario are number. People are very concerned about you. Yeah. <laughs> scenario number one: You're at a Buffalo Wild Wings, as you always are. Yep. Do you know what that is? Even not. Nope. Okay, Buffalo. What? I feel like it has the
1: same energy as Hooters. Yes, it's okay. Hooters
0: without the um, Hooters. Yeah. Sure. Tudor's light. <laughs> uh, you're there, and the bathrooms are gender binary. Oh. You find the manager, mm-hmm. Scrople Steven. That's his name. <laughs> and you say this Scrople.
1: Like Claude Cahoon, I refuse to be labeled as a woman or a man, and therefore I will be peeing at the Starbucks next door.
0: Yeah, get him.
1: Full tell- circle
0: because peeing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Well done. I like what you did there. Well done. Okay. Georgia, you're out hanging with Evanescence. I don't know how you know them, but
1: you do. I do not know them. I do know that. Sorry. You do know them. I do. I, we're best friends.
0: You're best friends with Evanescence. But you're like, they, this is why they like you, because you're salty to them. Ah. Like, you, you they, they think they can get away with all their shit with their fans because, like, they're famous. Sure. But then you're like, no, I'm not buying your bullshit. Yeah. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to put a mirror into your face, Evanescence. hmm They're talking about how maybe some of the guys in the band are going to start wearing dresses, and this is what you say.
1: Wow, way to be more than 4,000 years in the past. David Bowie has been a fan of gender non-conforming surrealist artist Claude Cahoon and even created a, a multimedia exhibition of Cahoon's work in the gardens of the General Theological Seminary in New York for the Highline Festival. He said of Claude, outside of France and now the UK, she has not had the kind of recognition that as a founding... As a founding follower, friend, and worker of the original Surrealist movement, she surely deserves. That was in 2007. Catch up. See,
0: they just, like, they love your salt. Yeah. Evanescence just loves your salt. Catch up, Evanescence. (laughs) Okay, scenario number three. You're about to chomp into a muffin when someone calls you sir at Muffin World, which is where you get all your muffins. That's... You get all your muffins at Muffin World. Um, (laughs) The person sees that you're a woman... And immediately apologizes, too much so. Ah,
1: you say, gender is a construct. You don't need to apologize because it's not insulting to me. Ask yourself, WWCCD, what would Claude Cahun do? They wouldn't perpetuate the antiquated use of gender-based greetings. Perpetuate.
0: Nailed it. Thanks. And thank you for sharing all of this <laughs> with the world. Georgia, thank you for lending us today your opinions, your time, and your yes. heart. Anytime. Anytime. Of the Shequel is built on the backs of amazing dead women who created the opportunities you have today. Researched by Alex Everhart, that's at Alex Icon Devil. Produced by Cody Fisher. Engineered by Cody Fisher. Edited by Sam Kiefer. And this episode was hosted by Georgia and Aaron.
1: So someone like Cahoon really gets in there and opens that up and starts to interrogate the woman as the object of the male gaze and as uh as a lesbian uh, woman in her own life one imagines that on some level this was conscious or unconscious that she's presenting a queer subject who kind of again ruptures this not only the bourgeois norms but the surrealist norms bye guys thank you